Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium, 32.3 at one thirty. Three on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to get in. Lots of interviews today. So if you want to get in uh, this hour other than the 1015 segment would be about the only time to do so. We're going to be talking Cajun basketball. Our good friend UL Director of Ops, Mike Murphy, will be in. At 9.50, and we're going to talk about the Cajuns' 3-0 start. We're going to talk about tonight's game at home in the Cajun Dome against Louisiana Tech. And, you know, you you know, it's just a cool early season game. We do a lot of complaining about uh, what the home schedule is over the years, but this is one game that you can't really complain about. Oh, never a bad idea to playing Louisiana Tech and in any of these sports and um, they should play more in football, but they don't. But anyway, uh, basketball series has been fairly consistent, and that's a good thing. And it's um, looking forward to seeing that matchup tonight. So we'll be talking with Coach Murphy in the uh, in the next segment. And again, I, I, I'm as a sports writer and radio talk show host I, I i every year i struggle with the transition like can i just get football over with before i kind of go head foot and i know sometimes the basketball coaches and fans get a little impatient it's like can i, I can i just get rid of football first um got a couple more weeks of you know cajun football lsu obviously will be playing in the sec championship game and then even if there's a bowl for the Cajuns, at least it's like one game, two or three weeks from now, where then you can kind of concentrate a little bit on basketball. But no, big basketball game tonight, at least as big as, um, you know, that it can be in November. Um, but it's uh, it's it's a it's it's a nice matchup, and we look forward to that. Then in the ten o'clock hour. The plan is to talk to Guru, a little fantasy football. We're going to be talking about weather, I think, a little bit. And then our weekly conversation with Luke Johnson of The Advocate about the Saints. And uh, it, it's, it might be time to take the gloves off. We'll, uh, we'll see. Well, it, it sh- I, I'm anxious to see what Luke has to say because I've been very patient. Y'all all know I'm a very patient person. And, um, but, um, you know, uh, some of the things that it's time to try to figure some of this stuff out because it's not a lot has made a whole lot of sense. Uh, and so we'll be trying to do that with Luke about 10, 15. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I don't, I don't know about y'all. I feel like I hardly ever remember my dreams. I feel like I hardly ever remember, but I must remember a whole lot more. Like I must have dreamed that Josh McDaniels got fired because I spent the last like 
most of the last week thinking he had gotten fired. And then I, and now I'm seeing, I mean, I don't know where I got that from. Because, like, I must have dreamed it and remembered the dream and thought that he was fired. Because I just bizarre. Because now, I, you know, you see that Mark Davis, I said, wait, how can Mark Davis get him a vote of confidence? He already fired him. And that happens to me with people like, well, wait a minute, this some guy dies or some lady dies. I'm like, wait a minute, they died like two years ago. Well, no, they're still living. Well, no, they died two years ago. I remember seeing the obit. That happens to me all the time. So are you just getting like amnesia I, I, or are you like thinking that things just, have happened that are in your dreams i just must remember vivid? i don't think i don't feel like i hardly ever remember my dreams but i must remember <laughs> i must dream a lot i mean obviously i dream a lot but but i must remember my dreams a whole lot more because i thought josh mcdaniels was already fired i don't i don't know where i got that from i don't know i'm surprised I'm sh- he's in fire but I i'm sure yeah i'm sure there that. are plenty of fans in in that part of the country or whatever raider fans that want him to be fired i I'm not a I'm not as big a fire to guy fire to coach guy as most people are, but um, but no, I, that j- 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 just bizarre that I was like, wait a minute, I must have dreamed that it's not true. He's still the coach. They play the Broncos, so I hope they lose again Sunday. But um, what a what a what a can you imagine? I mean, I would never want to be root for one of the evil teams in the league, and the Raiders are certainly, if not the most evil, one of the evil, one of the Gestapo teams in the league, I would call them. But think about, man, the Raiders. I mean, when I was young, they were really good. Now, they didn't win as many Super Bowls, but back when I was a kid in in the 70s, you know, you had four or five powerhouses and, it was big time a have or have not league, and the late and the Raiders were certainly one of the haves. And then they won those two titles with Flores in the early part of the eighties, around my high school years. But they ain't done a whole lot since then. And man, they've had they. It's just like they were paying the piper big time. They've been paying the piper for a long time, and it just the bad stuff just keeps on happening. It's um, it's it's. It's crazy. Anyway, we'll be talking um, NFL mostly in the um, in the second hour. One of the things that you know, once we get football not totally over, but mostly over. Again, we're in week two of the high school football playoffs. We've talked a lot of high school football this week, and if you have any thoughts about any of the matchups or anything, certainly feel free to uh to call about that but one of the things once we get football over that we'll talk a whole lot more about in addition to college basketball is the NBA and you know for a lot of people the NBA not you know if you're a diehard NBA fan like our old friend Lewis is I mean you know don't fight the feeling go for it I mean it's kind of like I am a daily Astro fan, so game 49 means a lot to me normally. Now, and I'm still going to tr- hopefully watch and follow game 49 this upcoming season, but in the hammock season, I'll be doing it, you know, more horizontal, just kind of ch- sitting back chilling with the hands behind my head, not really pacing or any of that like I normally would be. So looking forward to that hammock season. But... um. 
but, you know, game whatever, 17 or 16 or 22 or whatever of the NBA season, unless you're a diehard fan, not a lot of people really, really focus on it. But we're going to be able to enjoy at least the discussing good news, we hope, uh, for the Pelicans once once we get the barrage of football kind of focus over with or, or behind us. And they, you know, another very uh, good sign last night for the Pelicans um, got to three games over 500 early part of the season, hit 17 three-pointers, and Murphy had a great game with a 19-10 and 10 double-double. So kind of just keeping a little bit of an eye, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about it, certainly, as we um, – as, 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 you know, the football season kind of gets in our rearview mirror a little more and once we get down to – once the conference change, December essentially, uh, mid to late December, we'll be able to focus a little more on the NBA and the good things that are going on uh, with the Pelicans. It is, um, you know, I think some Pelican fans probably were were thinking they'd be more like, um, I don't know, have three or four more wins than they do right now. They hit a little bit of a skid, but, I mean, it's early. It, 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 it's early. And if they're as good as it looks like they're going to be, that, that'll that'll show up in their record in time. But nice win last night. And um, it's really good when one of your top three or four players, someone who's not, I should say, one of your top three or four players do really good because that, that, that bodes really well for, for the future. <sighs> don't like this cold weather every day I keep telling me it's like oh man is is how long is this gonna last like next week is it gonna be like this I hope so I heard someone complaining yesterday there's like then it's gonna probably be 80 on Thanksgiving day I said I hope I mean like why do y'all like to be why do y'all like dreary miserable weather I would have rather it be cold and I get to bundle myself up in clothes then have to constantly be wearing shorts and it'd be hot and so I don't like sweating. I don't. I don't mind sweating. Then I'd I rather smell sweat gross than really freeze quick. to death. Uh-uh. I'd rather would run myself up with uh, like my hoodies. I do not like freezing to death. That's why I got like twelve jackets that I'm are like above having my to worry about a stupid jacket. Oh, I left my jacket again. Here we go. I mean, I just hate that junk. I hate everything about well, I love Christmas. But other than Christmas, the, you know, I, the whole weather part of it is just pabo. Not good for me. Not good at all. All right. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, we will um, talk Cajun basketball. We don't have to worry about the weather inside the Cajun Dome tonight when the Cajuns take on Louisiana Tech because it's indoors. Um, you know, I... Cajun Gnome's a nice, secure facility, and so we can go there and not have to worry about um, snow or rain or anything like that. So hopefully you can make it over to Cajun Gnome and watch that game. We'll talk about the Cajuns' 3-0 and start and tonight's game with Louisiana t- against Louisiana Tech uh, with assistant coach Mike Murphy next on the game. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, Lyle Lovett. Now, we were just talking about Lyle Lovett. Lyle Lovett was on Blue Bloods. So, to me, Lyle Lovett was this cat who came down from, went up to New York. He was a uh, Texas Ranger cop and um, went up and helped solve the crime on Blue Blood. So, I, and I, I couldn't. I don't, I don't know much about Lyle Lovett, the singer, but I know Lyle Lovett was on Blue Buds. But I know a lot of you like Lyle Lovett, and Lyle Lovett and his acoustic group are coming to the Hyman Performing Arts Center on Friday, February the 24th. Ball, that's getting towards the end of basketball season. There will be no football then. Um, but Friday, February 24th, for incredible night of live music pre-sale tickets, are on sale today. You can uh, visit Ticketmaster.com and use the pre-sale code Lyle, L-Y-L-E. So get pre-sale tickets for Lyle Lovett in the Acoustic Group at the Hyman Performing Arts Center. Visit Ticketmaster.com and remember, use the pre-sale code Lyle. All right, we have with us Cajun Men's you know, um, Director of Operations. I'll just call him Coach, Coach Mike Murphy. How are you, sir? Good morning, Kevin. I'm fine. Thank you. Well, first of all, congratulations. I know it's three games, and it's just three games, but it's still nice to be 3-0 and and have a tournament title and have uh, played some good basketball. So I'm sure it's you know encouraging start. It is. It's better than being 0-3. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> to point out the uh, Captain Obvious. Yeah. Um, but, no, we, you know, we've gotten off to a good start, and uh, I think a lot of the credit has to go to the staff and the players, uh, you know, we went to Puerto Rico earlier this summer, or later on this summer, I should say, in August. And that had that gave us a chance to play against some outside competition, good competition. And we got a chance to bond. And it's something Coach is always in favor of doing. We can do it once every four years. Prior to this, we went to Cuba. That year, we won the conference tournament. I'm not saying this has anything to do with us winning the conference tournament this year. Completely different team, completely different set of circumstances. But it gives you a chance to bond and play some games early against outside competition, I think, which which helps give you a feel of where your team is at and where it can go. I think that's got something to do with it. Um, the Maui and the Mainland Tournament, once again, this is a tournament we played in in 2013-14 and, and at Coastal Carolina. We won that tournament, ended up winning the conference tournament. Once again, this has nothing to do with that. This is a completely different team, completely different set of circumstances. But Coach has a long-standing relationship with Dave Odom, the former head coach at Wake Forest. He knows Coach Williams very well, former head coach at North Carolina, and they're kind of the ambassadors for, for the uh, Maui tournament. And um, highly, you know, really well-run tournament, good competition. Uh, Harvard, um, you know, was a Uh, slice you up with some with some cutting and, and a very disciplined style of play. East Tennessee State is a team that that traditionally over the last decade plus has been very, very good and has been one of the better teams, if if not one of the top five um, group of five teams, you know, in the country. So we knew this was going to be a tough game. They're only 45 minutes from Asheville. 
So when Coach got us into the tournament, I was like, man, we really want to do this. It's going to be a home game for Asheville. And he goes, no, I think we can, I think we can win these two games. And obviously he knows more than me. That's why he's the head coach. Yeah. And <laughs> it turned out to be a, a good tournament for us. Uh, the tournament was really well run. They dotted their eyes, crossed their T's. Um, I, uh, I was really, really very pleased with it, as were our players and, and the, the fans that came up to watch us play. So it was, it was a good start to the season, but things get really much different starting tonight against Louisiana Tech and then next week against SMU and Drake. All right. So, first of all, I love the symmetry of the, those other trips and, and how it worked out, and hopefully that can continue. But I, I got to tell you, I, I've always been a, uh, I've always been kind of a forward, power forward guy. My favorite all-time Cajun player is Jordan Brown's dad, Deion Brown. You know, when I was a kid, everyone loved Pete Maravich. My favorite New, New Orleans jazz player was Truck Robinson, my favorite number 21. Plus, he was a power forward. I like the power forward double-double guys. And, y'all, I remember Coach... Talking early on, he kept throwing out this name, and don't forget Terrence Lewis. And, you know, I didn't know very much to nothing about Terrence Lewis. I mean, you know, when y'all signed him in early September, I, you know, read the little story, but I didn't know anything about him. And he got in late. I had no idea what to think. And, man, the first time I saw him play, like three trips up the court against sitting there, I'm like, man, he moves a little different. Uh, then then uh, I was like, man, I don't know. He looks like he knows what he's doing, and he's off to a fabulous start, tournament MVP. I can't really put my finger on it. Help me out. Like, what, what, what have you seen from him in three games that really gives you some hope for the future here? He's really good around the basket. He's a little bit of an undersized four in terms of body weight, not so much height but in terms of body weight. But he's a fifth-year guy. He's got a lot of experience. He's a mature player. Um, we tried to recruit him coming out of junior college and going to uh, uh, North Texas and then transferred to Jackson State where his dad uh, played. So we were fortunate to get him late. But we, he, Coach just really likes the way he moves around the basket. You know, He's got a knack for being in the right place at the right time. He's got a really soft shot. It's a bit of a shot put in there when he gets in the lane, and it's soft. So it hits the rim a couple times. It's fine. It finds its way to the bottom of the net. He can be a really good rebounder when he's intentional about it, and he does a pretty good job of cutting. I think he's got a pretty good basketball IQ. But but he just has a knack for being around the ball, being in the right place at the right time, and you know being able to finish shots. He's not going to be a dunker. He's not going to be a high-wire high act. But he just gets things done in there. And that's a great compliment to Jordan because Jordan's going to draw a lot of attention. He's going to get double-teamed and triple-teamed at times. So that's going to leave some opportunities open for a guy like Terrence or any other power forward. To, to get some second-chance baskets, to get some open looks around the basket. And and he's taken advantage of that so far. We need him to do that more tonight and going into this next week. Uh, but uh, we're very pleased with what he's doing for us at this time. You know, one of the words that at all levels of basketball that probably you hear it a lot but probably isn't focused on enough and a lot of people just don't have the ability to do it Coach used a word that are unorthodox a little bit in how he shoots and how he uh, his offensive game in the in the in the lane is his the way he plays in the lane like you just described is that going to allow him to finish a little more than some players do? Yes, I think that's a very good point. You know, he scores off the two feet. Like I said, he's not a high wire act. He, he's not going to you know be on Sports Center for any dunks and tip ins and all that sort of thing. 
But what he does do, he plays with his with his feet under him. And, you know, that's something that's really hard to do. And it, when you're able to do that, you're able to maximize your athleticism. And because of that, you know, he's able to finish those unorthodox shots. As, as I said, that kind of looks like a shot put a little bit. But it's got a way of finding the bottom of the net, and that's the only thing that counts. He's a good three-point shooter. When he's very judicious, when he takes a three-point shot, when he's disciplined with it, he can make a three-point shot and stretch you. Once again, that's going to be a huge advantage for us because when Jordan gets double-teamed or triple-teamed, you know, there's an outlet for Terrence to, to take that shot. But being able to play with your feet under you is, is a real talent. And talking about guys like Truck Robinson, right, uh, Wes Unseld, those type of guys, like I said, they, they weren't walking the tightrope. You know, they were, they were just, you know, ham and eggers. They were blue-collar guys, and that's what Terrence is, and they know how to get things done because that's how they've had to play that way their entire life. And so it's just instinctual to him, and I think that's very important for his success, and the more success he has, the more success our team will have. And the other thing I like about him is he makes free throws. See, some a lot of people get on me because they say I'm too focused on make kick. I like kickers who make field goals. That's what I, I like them when they make them. And, and I like right. basketball <laughs> players that make free throws. To me, those two things are very important. And people say, man, that's all you ever – that's not all I focus on, but, man, I, I hate missed free throws and I hate missed field goals. You don't agree? I agree completely. If you look at a close game, and, and we played a close game against East Tennessee State, but if you look at close games, usually the winner doesn't shoot as well from the free throw. I mean, the loser doesn't shoot as well from the free throw line and probably has more turnovers. And in close games, free throws and turnovers are extremely important. That's the separator. Not so much the field goal percentage, but the free throw percentage and the turnovers. And if you're able to control those two categories on the stat sheet, you're going to give yourself a chance to win. And as I said, he's got a good stroke. His mechanics are very good um, with his jump shot, as are his free throws. So, yes, it's very critical that, that when, you're, when you're playing around the basket, the propensity of you getting fouled is a lot higher than someone who plays on the perimeter. So you're going to get to the line more, and you've got to take advantage of that. Just like, you know, that extra point makes a big difference in a football game, just ask, you know, Nick Saban, you know, in Alabama losing LSU. Right. He decides to kick the extra point versus go for the two the second time, Alabama wins the game. Free throws and turnovers in close games usually determine the winner. No way Nick Saban made that decision. All right. So let me, uh, let, let me uh, before I forget, tell us about Louisiana Tech. What can we expect? I mean, it's, uh, I think y'all have done a great job since Coach Marlin has been there playing against Louisiana Tech and had a lot of nice wins and even some, you know, good performances and a close loss here and there. But what, what does this matchup look like tonight? Well, it's the oldest rivalry the Cajuns have is with, with Louisiana Tech. Uh, they will be the best defensive team we have played so far this year. They're really good on defense. They're hard-nosed. They're scrappy. They're, they're going to load the paint. It's going to be very difficult for Jordan to find any space to operate. So we've got to swing the ball. We've got to work it inside out and look for Jordan on the second post up, not necessarily the first. It'll also be important that he's willing to give it up on his first touch because he's going to have a party down there in the lane. He's going to have a lot of company. Um, their, their guards can really shoot the basketball. We've got to get back, identify their guards, get out, contest the shot, and don't give guys comfortable shots from the perimeter. And then, as you said, free throws, turnovers, and rebounds. Tech's a very good basketball team. And they're going to play really hard. And, and as I said before, they're going to be the best defensive team we've played so far. So we've got to adjust to that. Look for them to load the paint and to really crowd Jordan 
and we've got to be able to swing the ball, skip it to the opposite side of the floor, and don't get caught standing. We've got to cut to the basket, get second-chance opportunities, and, and be ready to shoot the ball when, when it comes out because Jordan will share the basketball. And on that second post-up, I think he can be really dangerous. But but look for them loading the paint and look for us adjusting offensively to take advantage of that. All right, we're talking with Cajun men assistant basketball coach Mike Murphy. The other, the, I think the thing that has been probably the biggest obstacle to winning a little more other than injuries, obviously, in recent years has been the point guard play. And so far, that has been extremely encouraging. Uh, tell us about... Themas folks and how he's fitting in and and the and the progress of still a, a still young point guard and and Michael Thomas. Yeah, we're really happy to have Themas. He was a junior college All American. Uh, he started out at South Carolina State, went to junior college, played there for a year, and now he's with us. And and he gives us added depth at that position. Both he and Mike Thomas have done a really good job, uh, I think, in in understanding what Coach wants and executing more importantly what Coach wants from that position. It's good that both of these guys go at each other every day in practice. They only help each other get better. Each is a little different in how they, how they play the game, but we're, we're, we're very comf- comfortable and confident uh, in either one of those guys getting the job done for us. And, and so we're, we're pleased to have Themis. He's a good addition to the program. Mike Thomas is making strides. He really came on the last 10 games of the season last year, played really well in the conference tournament. He is continuing to do that. So we're comfortable right now with our point guard position. With, with Mike, is it just about him not trying to play too fast? Well, at times, and I think everybody can be guilty of that because – you know, the hardest thing to do as you grow, go up levels of play, whether it's high school to college, college to the pro ranks, is the speed of the game. You've got to be able to slow the game down because the game speeds up. Why does the game speed up? There's better athletes. There's more better athletes. So the game gets sped up. What you've got to be able to do mentally is slow the game down so you can see where your opportunities are. And it's this way in every sport, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. But you've got to be able to slow the game down mentally for that brief second, for that blink of an eye, to see where your opportunities are, and then exploit those opportunities. And I know it sounds counterintuitive. The game is getting faster as the players get better, but you've got to be able to slow that game down. Mike has learned how to do that. I think Themis is pretty good at how to do that. And when you do, you get your feet under you, just like Terrence Lewis. When you play with your feet under you, you don't make mistakes. You make fewer mistakes. You give yourself a better chance to make a play, whether it's at the basket from the perimeter or on a pass. You know, when you're on balance, that's the easiest way to make a play. When you're off balance, because you have sped yourself up, you haven't been able to slow the game down, now you're probably going to make mistakes. You take an off-balance shot, it doesn't go in. You're going to make an errant pass, there's a turnover. You're not going to see that opening on the cutter or for yourself to cut because you're playing too quick. And I think both of these guys have done a good job in slowing the game down. I really see a lot of growth with Mike Thomas in that area, which is allowing him to be a more efficient player. Because he's very quick. He's fast. He can beat you with his quickness. He can get the ball into the lane, jump up, and, and shoot over you a little bit. And, and he's learning how to play. As you said, he's a young point guard. But we're very comfortable with both of those guys. All right, one more thing. I, I was extremely impressed. I got a chance to talk to uh, Terrence Lewis yesterday and did a feature story on him at The Advocate and TheAdvocate.com. And, and he was like almost every question I asked, I mean, he was like, "Look, we it's three games." Like, I, you know, he, he he's like, "We got to keep working." You know, 
being picked number one doesn't really mean anything. It could be bad. We got to be focused. And he just gave the mature coach answer for almost everything. And you and I, I don't think it was just coach speak. I think uh, he really believes it. It seems like his personality. How has the team overall handled uh, that part of it in the early season from what you could see? I think, well, and he mentioned that. You know, it's funny because I walked into the locker room and he and Greg were the last ones out after the East Tennessee, and East Tennessee game. And I said, you know, guys, this is only three games. And, and he's jumped up right away. Uh, both of them said, yeah, we know, Coach. It's only three games. and We can't get comfortable. There's 27 games left plus more. And, and he said the same thing. This really doesn't mean anything. What this means is we're 3-0. and Now our objective is to go 1-0 and next week against Louisiana Tech. And then we'll move on from there. So both of those guys, he and Greg, thought it was really interesting. The answer they gave almost at the same time, he said, no, Coach, we got this. We understand that this, this is just a win. It really doesn't mean anything other than we won, which is important, you know, but it's also important we realize we've got a lot to do, a lot to work on. We are going to get better. We need to get better. You're one team in November. You're a different team in December. And then come January, you are who you are. You're not going to be able to hide from it. All righty, sir. We appreciate it. Good to get to talk to you again. Look forward to doing it uh, throughout this, what could be a very exciting basketball season. See you tonight at the Cajun Dome. Thank you. Yes, sir. Go Cajuns. UL director, again, I call him assistant coach. Technically, he's the director of ops. I mean, I, you know, nobody really cares about the distinction there. But anyway, always enjoyed talking to Coach Murphy. He has a great way of explaining it. He has a great historical perspective on the game. And I love bringing up names like Wes Unsell. I don't think I dreamed it. I think Wes died about four or five months ago. But um, if I dream that and it's wrong, please someone help me with that. Anyway, we will take a Time out. Come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10-6, and six, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Don't lose that number. Welcome back to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to talk Cajun basketball, high school football, which we talked a lot, Saints, Pelicans, LSU is not off this week, but playing one of those uh, rent-a-win games. Against UAB, we talked to uh, to Koki Riley yesterday quite a bit about LSU football. So if you have any thoughts on that, and then the next hour, uh, if you want to preempt our next hour discussion involving the Saints, would Luke certainly feel free to do that as well? Again, 
706-0111. Tonight, Titans-Packers. Interesting Thursday night game. Pre-game starts at 7, kickoff at 7.15, and you can hear all the action from Thursday night football tonight on the game 103.7 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know, one of the things that you're going to need to start looking at when, you know, laying wagers on whether you want to maybe do an over or an under or just straight up against the spread or you're playing fantasy football or both is to look at the weather reports because I, I, I was hearing some stuff earlier today that, like, Buffalo could be, like, six feet of snow. I mean, uh, you, I'm sure you've been seeing it, like, high school games and college games way up in Yankee land. Uh, they've been playing on just white football fields. And supposedly, you know, well, Buffalo, not supposed, Buffalo's near the water, so they, they, they're, they're supposedly going to have a ton of snow. So, like, I don't know if – what I don't know is if it's going to be snowing – when the game is actually taking place, because you remember that game last year with the Bills and the Patriots, that wasn't even football. That was like rugby. I mean, I, I mean, I understand you want to be tough and all that, especially the people in Buffalo, and you know they pride themselves on. But that's not even football. What they played in that 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 was like that was awful. So I, I don't know. Very uh, weather reports. You're gonna have to start paying attention to them for sure. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy. Hey, uh, I think the question or the answer to that question I asked you yesterday, it might be Eric Allen, but I'm not sure. Anyways, I wanted to ask you, what would it take for you to get on board of getting rid of Dennis Allen? Like, what would have to happen? Well, I mean, like, I I I think the worst thing that dude did was say uh, his rationale to go into Andy Dalton was not injury-based. It was performance-based. Like, what was his reasoning behind saying that, dude? Well, again, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. What, what I would need, I, I think one of the things that would do it is if someone, like, after the season um, did, had an interview, and I'm talking someone like a Cam Jordan or Demario Davis, one of the leaders of the team, Ryan Ramchek, a guy that's been here for a while, who's not, you know, one of these, you know, and the Saints don't have a lot of divas on their team, but 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 just a guy who's been here, who knows what it's like, who's been with Dennis and just says, look, I like Dennis, but he's just not. He. Look, if Dennis Allen, and we're going to discuss this with Luke to get well, yeah, his impressions next hour, but, but, <laughs> but if Dennis Allen – talks comes off with his team as a coach like he does when he's in these press conferences in these interviews I mean he sounds horrible like there's got to be someone that can tell him cat you sound horrible the stuff you're saying is horrible like if he's talking to his team that way then then I would say man I just don't know I, I just I can't believe he's that clueless but maybe he is but I mean Again, how can you be that clueless? He's been he's been with this team. He 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 was here in two thousand six. 
Maybe some people aren't head coach material. I mean, how can and, you be that clueless? I, I just, I, I don't, I don't get I, it. So, like I said, I think the worst thing he did, and, and like he completely like screwed himself, right, by saying that he chose Andy Dalton because it was performance based, not injury based. Basically, he was saying that Jameis is healthy enough to start, but we're choosing Andy Dalton over him, which was a complete lie, and and one he did not have to say. That would, and I know he, you say coaches lie all the time, well, but yeah, that one was just like constantly. self-inflicted, right? I don't know. It, it, again, this whole thing, none, none of it's added up from the beginning. Uh, I, it, it, it's just it's, it, it's just awful. And yeah, we'll, like we'll, we'll discuss it more. Again, I, I okay. just I just understand, like like last week. He, he, here he, here's. Just an example, like last week was a horrible circumstance game. Well, I've heard a lot of people say, well, that's true, but they still should have won. Well, that's just being unrealistic. That's just being unreasonable, okay? That was a horrible circumstance game, horrible. And so you can't just dismiss that. So they've had a lot of injuries. There's no question, but you still can't be that clueless. And you can't even think about saying, you know, in November, you know, we've got to kind of get a sense of her. We should have had that exactly. in August. I mean, like, what is what I mean, was that? I mean, I, you just can't be that clueless. I just, I, I just, I still, as bad as it looks, I still can't believe that he's that clueless. I mean, there's no way he's that stupid. I, I just, I, he, I, I just don't believe that. So. To answer your original question is if one of these leaders came out after the season and said, basically, I mean, I know he's not going to use these words, but basically say he's really that clueless. Then I'm like, oh, well, then you have no choice. I mean, really, that's what it would take. I just can't believe he's that that clueless. I'm starting to get on board right now. I just just can't believe it. I just don't believe that. Yeah. Anyways, I appreciate it, Kevin. All right. Thanks. And 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 this whole Jameis thing, I, I think it, he's botching. The Andy Dalton thing, I, what in the world? I mean, is his wife redheaded? Like, what's going on here? I mean, I you know, it's just it it, it it just doesn't make any sense. Like none. Again, it made some sense for like about two weeks when Jameis. When he first made that comment that David was referring to, because I could believe that there was no way of knowing, and there was no way of knowing how 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 ready was Jameis, you know, how in tune with the rest of the offense was Jameis at that point compared to Dalton. There's no way he was as in tune as 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 Andy was. And again, I don't, I don't hate Andy Dalton. Now I did not want him. He's done better than I thought he was going to do. I thought he was even worse than he's looks, and he and and he doesn't look all that great. Don't get me wrong, but he's he he's done better than I expected. But I still watching him. It's like just reminds me of the Bob Seger song "Against the Wind." You're just running against the wind. You're going nowhere. I mean, gale force win. There's no progress there. there, There's no boxes being, it's just completely, it's complete lunacy to play Andy Dalton right now. Complete lunacy. 
to play Andy Dalton. If you want to win, play Batman. At least they got to tackle it. If you, if you say, okay, you're not worried about the future, you're not worried about any, you're not worried about trying to find out if you got anything in Jameis, if you just want to win, just play Batman. Because at least the other team has to tackle them. If you, you have no running backs, none, so you can't run the football, I mean, what are you doing? It, it just doesn't make any sense. I just, I don't even know what you're doing. Because if you play Jameis, now again, Luke said two weeks ago, they've already made this decision. But again, that, that, that worries me as well, because how can you make that decision when Jameis hasn't played a real football game yet? I, I, again, none of this makes any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. And if if you if you it, I've heard people say, well, they've known all along Jameis is just terrible. Then why did they name him the starting quarterback? I mean, what 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 are you what are you doing? Like, why was he the starting quarterback then? If you knew all along that he was terrible, you know, I've heard, well, he he's just, he's not smart man, and, well, they didn't know that last year and the year before? No, I, no. None of, none of this is adding up. It, 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 this does not add up to me at all. All right, let's get one more call on the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, when when you go to church, do you go to confession like a, a really a lot? Because I mean, you just said, "I hope the man's wife is not redheaded." I mean, I mean, come on, man. Well, what's his deal? Like, why does he keep playing this guy? <laughs> well, it's not his wife's fault. He's terrible. No, I mean, I'm just saying maybe he just likes redheads or I mean, something. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's craziness. All right, I'm gonna play. Let, let's let's do some trivia. So I'm gonna say dead or alive, and you you give me the answer. Okay, the first one's easy. George Washington. Yeah, I don't think he's with us. Okay, Michael Thomas with the Saints. He, he... Well, he's not with us either. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh man. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Finish out the first hour next. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the world champion Houston Astros. Want to remind you, if your Alexa or Google Home Speaker helps you out around the house, controlling lights or thermostats, TVs, whatever, you can also do that with radio, with the game. Just ask your Alexa or Home or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. Do the smart thing. Have the game 1037 Laviette 1041 Lake Charles with you at your home office everywhere you go by using your Alexa and Google Home Speaker. All right. We've got, um, again, top of the next hour, we'll be talking to the guru, fantasy football. Sounds like we're going to be doing a little weather. Weather talk for that. Foot weather starting to affect it. You know, the Saints game last Sunday, we had heard some early in the week. Maybe it's going to snow, and it didn't. It was cold, and I think they had a few snow flurries, but I don't know that it really impacted the game other than it made it a physical line of scrimmage game, 
and the Saints with half a football team were not able to do it, especially coming off a game on Monday when the other team was rested for two weeks. So that that did not play well. But it wasn't like a snow issue or anything. Um, so we'll talk about that, and again, we will, then we'll talk with Luke at um, at 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 ten fifteen ish, and see how 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 that goes. But it's um, no, it just so much. It is the running back scenario situation is is never added up to me. And again, that's not a Dennis Allen thing. They didn't have a running back last year. I mean. Like, what were they thinking? I still don't know what they're thinking. Like, how can you go into a game without a real NFL running back and think that's a good plan? And I know a lot of you are saying, wait a minute, they got one of the best running backs in the league in number 41, Z28. He's not in. When, when I say an NFL running back, I'm talking about someone on third and one who can get hit behind the line and fight through it and break a tackle and get a yard and a half. That's an NFL running back. Playing seven-on-seven football, there's a place for that. And it's very important. But that's not an NFL running back to me. Number 41 does not run hard. He does not fit my, my definition of an NFL running back. He's a seven-on-seven football player. Not saying I don't want him. I want him. But you got to use him right. He's not a dump truck. He doesn't want to be a dump truck. He has no interest, especially when the the loss column has more than the win column. That cat has no interest in it. None. So why utilize him now? How can you be that clueless? How can you go into an NFL game and not have a real NFL running back? It doesn't make any sense to me. I just... Absolutely clues. I I don't get it. I mean, how can you be that? Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome. Back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. The Houston Astros, you can watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3-133 on LUS Fiber. Won't really be any time for phone calls the rest of this hour because we're going to start with our guest, with the guru. How are you, sir? Hey, how's it going, Kevin? You know, I realize I should have been doing this, and I and, and I, I I did this with Michael too. So before we go on and talk a little bit about fantasy football and things going on, anyone who wants to follow you closer on, like you know, making bets or should I do the over and under, or do one of these crazy bets or fantasy football? How, how can they? How can they follow you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate the. Um... I'm gonna get a little plug in. So, uh, yeah, y'all can uh, check me out. Uh, Bet.noah.com is our main site that I'm writing for now, and doing live shows every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. We got the betting shows Mondays and Thursdays, fantasy shows Tuesday, and then for our social media, we've got uh, for fantasy at Spence the Guru, and for betting at Bet with Spence. 
All right. So it seems to me, and this isn't just a fantasy football thing. If you're going to place a bet on over and under or a certain player or, you know, quarterback passing yards or all kind of different things. It seems like we're, we've entered the period where you better pay attention to the weather because I'm here in six feet of snow in Buffalo. I mean, it, I don't know really what that means for the actual game while it's going on, but weather becomes a factor now, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of times it gets over-exaggerated, but in that case, yeah, you definitely got to keep an eye on it because that would make it to where probably it'll be more running than throwing with the weather that extreme as we saw last year in that Bills Patriots game with the extreme temperatures and stuff to where like Mac Jones I don't even think threw a pass the whole game. So you just yeah, I'll have to keep an eye on that for sure. But honestly it's not that bad most of the time, but every now and then gotta gotta pivot because of that. Now, what do you think, for instance, and we don't normally bring our own fantasy teams into this, but just to use an example to make a point, I have Josh Allen, and, and, um, you know, he's a no-brainer to play, but, like, if the weather's going to be really bad and Daniel Jones is playing against arguably the worst defense in the league in the Detroit Lions, would you even consider that, or you think that's still silly? Oh, wait, what was that again? I'm sorry. You got Josh Allen maybe playing in a oh, snowstorm or uh, Daniel, Daniel Jones, Jones right. against the worst defense in football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's an interesting one. I would probably still go with Josh Allen because even in the bad weather, he'll probably get some rushing and get the rushing touchdown or two. So since he can do both, you know, run and throw, I'd I'd probably still go with him because Joe's, I think, is going to be the Lions. I mean, not, the Giants over the Lions is one of my best bets of the week because Lions' run defense is horrendous. So I'm thinking they're just going to feed Saquon. And, uh, well, and the, but the, now, and what you're saying makes sense, but Daniel Jones runs pretty well as well. Yeah, he can. It's just, uh, I mean, the Bills don't have a Saquon Barkley-type running back. Or with the Giants, I mean, the way they've been doing things is just feed Saquon and just don't have Daniel Jones, you know, don't have him screw it up. Where with the Bills, it, everything runs through Josh Allen. It is. It, it's unbelievable what he does. He does too much sometimes, uh, i.e. all the interceptions he's been throwing the last few weeks. He's got to clean that up. All right, tonight's game is very interesting. Titans. Packers, I think weather could impact that game as well. From a fantasy standpoint, both teams run the ball well. Now, obviously, the Packers had a, a re- really encouraging pass de- passing game performance last week, but do you buy that going into this matchup? Uh, yeah, I'm not. This one, I think, will be uh, pretty low scoring. You know, I don't think it'll be super fantasy friendly. But I do think Aaron Rodgers could have a decent game, being that Tennessee has a not too good uh, pass defense, so where both defenses are, I think, better against the run. If I remember, I was doing all the looking up all the numbers yesterday, and so I'm thinking this will be one where. If the weather's bad, then, well, I mean, it'll probably – I guess I'm not, like, saying the start Rodgers for sure, but I just – I think, though, that against the Titans' pass defense, he should be able to get a couple touchdowns there. Christian Watson, the rookie's in a good spot. And the running backs, too, you know, the last time they played Tennessee, that's the end of 2020, 
and steamrolled them. So I'm thinking after last week, Green Bay is going to be back on track. And just Tennessee, you know, outside of Derrick Henry, there's just really nothing there you can trust. From a fantasy standpoint, and they don't even have their kicker in this game, for what I yeah. understand. So they, uh, uh, I, I don't, you know, again, Tennessee is is the kind of an aberration to what everybody thinks about football. I mean, again, they were the number one seed last year, and if they could just convert a third and one and then a fourth and one, I think they would have been in the championship game, and who knows what would have happened. But uh, they couldn't do what they do best uh, with the game on the line, and, and they lost to a field goal kicker. So it is uh, – they're hard to figure out, and the Packers are certainly hard to figure out. So I – I don't know. I don't think it's a good fantasy game. All right, before I forget, injuries. Um, Juju Schmidt-Schuster, do you think he's playing? Um, I honestly don't think he will. Being at the concussion, he sustained last week was kind of rough. So I would think he won't. But you never know with concussions. I've learned that like, he didn't have a hit that doesn't even seem that bad or a guy like Matthew Stafford or he didn't even know he had a concussion and then doesn't play. So it's, I don't know. It's tough to say, but I would say he doesn't just from seeing the, the, you know, the, the brutal hit he took. So, th- you know, that could be a really promising game chargers from a fantasy standpoint and chiefs, but no, maybe no Juju Smith Schuster and, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, I mean, it sounded like they both practiced yesterday but limited. Is there any confidence either one or both of them are going to play? Right, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, it's, it's tough to say because they haven't played in a while. So he want to think they'd come back. And they, from what they're saying, they practiced and were both in good spirits. But Keenan Allen, man, we've been thinking he'd be back now for the past month and still hadn't been back. Mike Williams, a high ankle sprain would be kind of a quick return for him. So, man, it's frustrating because I think a lot of that has to do with why Justin Herbert's been kind of a bust this year because he hadn't had his top two weapons for a lot of the year. So, man, it's been a really, really rough year for injuries, man. Just We'll just have to keep an eye on it because – it's just the only deal until we uh, – it's Sunday night. So, honestly, I, I wouldn't really be dependent on either of them unless you have, like, a, a, a backup plan that you can plug in. Have you heard any stats? It, se- night. it seems like the injuries are just awful. But is it really statistically worse than in previous years? I don't know. It seems that way. But have you heard any numbers? Because it just seems like it's crazy this year. Yeah, I haven't really – gotten to research like the exact numbers but uh it, it does seem worse than usual you know even a lot of quarterbacks are missing time which almost like well you can at least count on the quarterbacks to stay healthy but nobody's unscathed this year it's just yeah it, it's frustrating because you gotta you just you gotta be on your toes every week as a fantasy fantasy manager there's no off weeks you always gotta be looking at a waiver wire because if not you're probably gonna end up with an injured player or two in your lineup. All right, so Elijah Mitchell came back and seemed to return to the number one back status carries-wise, unless I, I'm missing something, over uh, McCaffrey. So how, what do you make of all that, that first game, him back? Yeah, that, that really surprised me. I was thinking Mitchell would 
just take the back seat and just see a few carries here and there. But yeah, he was the the lead guy on early downs. Um, I'm still thinking McCaffrey will get more of that work. I think that was. I'm not sure exactly. Like, I didn't get to see that game, so I'm not sure exactly with the game script and stuff. I know it was a low-scoring game, so that may have had something to do with it. I feel like in games where they're in more of a shootout, they'll lean more on McCaffrey. But, yeah, that was very interesting how that developed. It tells me that they're definitely not phasing Mitchell out. So, if you have Mitchell, you know, keep him. I'd say I was a bench stash because I still think for fantasy, McCaffrey's the, the one to have. Are you buying Taylor Haneke yet? Um, in a way, you know, you know, as a backup or a second quarterback, but I'm still not buying him as a starter. You know, I think they, I mean, he obviously did really well against Philly, but I just, I don't know. I think I'm, he's just one of those guys that's just, I mean, even when he does really well for fantasy, he's not that great. It's, um, it, it they've run the ball well though at times and and and, and McLaurin is is still good uh, at, at at times. Yeah, yeah, they've uh, they you know Brian Robinson did good. He's a good play this week against the Texans. Their run defense horrendous. I think they're the only one with a worse run defense in Detroit. So yeah, if uh, should be interesting. You know, I'm thinking that. You know, Heineke is uh, – he, the, the reason why Heineke is not that great for fantasy is because he just does what he needs to do to win type thing. Like, he's not going to do too much. So, I think he's good for real life. And he's good for McLaurin because he seems to lean on him more, whereas when it was Wentz, Wentz would tend to lean more on uh, Curtis Samuel, it seemed like. So, did I understand, your your favorite play for this week is Giants running backs against – the Lions, is that what I heard? Or, or what's your favorite play for this week, matchup-wise? Yeah, that, I, yeah, probably Saquon against, you know, the, the Lions because he's just – I mean, he's so reliable this year. And against – they're just so bad. You know, they just – they can't stop running back to where I just – to me, it's just – I don't see how it doesn't happen unless he would – get injured, which hopefully not. We've had enough dang injuries this year. So, yeah, I would say that that has probably the best odds of being a fruitful fantasy performance. All right, Guru, we appreciate your time as always. We'll see what happens and uh, if the weather impacts things. It, it, you know, I think most of us think it's kind of fun to watch a weather, a game that's all white everywhere. But if you're if you got a fantasy quarterback in the game, it's not too fun. Right, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it doesn't end up too bad in that Bills-Browns game because, yeah, those are two good offenses there. So hopefully they can not be completely messed up by that. (laughs) All right, take care. Thank you. Yes, sir, you too. All right, we'll take a timeout. Shift gears to Luke Johnson. Talk Saints football. We'll see what Luke's got to say. We'll do it next on the game. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, Lyle Lovett and his acoustic group are coming to the Hyman Performing Arts Center on Friday, February 24th. Incredible night of live music. If you would like to do that, pre-sale tickets are on sale today. You can go to Ticketmaster.com. Use pre-sale code Lyle, L-Y-L-E. Again, pre-sale tickets available today to see Lyle Lovett and his acoustic group at the Hyman Performing Arts Center. Visit Ticketmaster.com and use the pre-sale code Lyle. All right, we have with us. Our friend Luke Johnson from theadvocateandnola.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, but are, are you sure you don't want to just like talk about like Thanksgiving food, like favorite Thanksgiving food options for the next half hour, or maybe like you know TV shows we like or something like that? I don't know if anybody really wants to talk things right now. Did you see Lyle Lovett on Blue Bloods? I did not. Okay. Now you're from Wisconsin, right? So you probably love this cold weather. Yeah, no, this is this is straight up right up my alley. Oh, I hate it. Just hate it. Anyway, no, you're not going to get that lucky because I, I just, uh, you know, let's start. Let, let's start with Dennis Allen and then we'll get to the quarterback situation. First of all, I, you know, everyone around me fired him, fired him, fired him. I'm not a fire to coach guy right off the bat, especially in the first year, but I just I just can't believe, and maybe I'm just being naive and fooling myself. I cannot believe he is as kind of like weak and and feeble as he sounds every time he does a press conference. I mean, is it is it possible that he I mean, he doesn't seem like he has enough energy when he does these press conferences to lead hungry mice to cheese. I just don't get he can't possibly talk to his team that way, correct? I mean, am I missing something? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's talking to the team that way. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know that for sure because obviously we're not privy to those uh, to those meetings. But like, I'll absolutely totally defeated when he does those press conferences. I mean, especially the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, he's just he's just looked like he's completely at a loss. Which is not what you want, obviously. Like you, you want, you want this team to try to figure something out, even if the the season's not going to end in a playoff berth or whatever. Um, you know, you, you want them to get to get some sort of positive vibes out of the season instead of just being just a complete disaster from start to finish. Um, and you know, I mean, it's hard to see it's hard to see out of that right now because I mean, the head coach looks just completely despondent whenever he talks. Um, I, I don't think the team looks any better. And then, you know, obviously these last two weeks have been you know, maybe outside of the Carolina, the two worst games they've played this season. But so I mean, I, it's just it's 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 really hard to see uh, a way out of it. Do you do you think? I mean, it's got to be somebody to. You can't come out in week whatever in November and say. Well, we might need to have a sense of urgency. You got to have a sense of urgency in August, in September. Like somebody, you don't think anybody could tell him you sound like an idiot. Like, yeah, but, but look, I, I think they've also been saying that we've we have to have a sense of urgency since like September. They just haven't found it, you know. <laughs> and I think that's the more alarming thing. Yeah, they've been they've been talking about the same stuff for months now. Whether it's it's urgency whether it's we got to stop beating ourselves blah 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 yeah i mean there's there's only so much they can they can say because they're playing the same game every week 
you know, and, and it's um, I, that's that's the frustrating part to me. It's not that he's saying we've got to find a sense of urgency in November because I, I mean, you know, they have been saying that for some time now. But I mean, um, it doesn't even. I mean, you can't. It's too late for that. Like, I don't know. I, I just that that that's like to me the worst thing he said. But it, it's just I don't know. I just can't believe he's been. It's not like this. He's been here since. I know he he left for a little while, but I mean he's been here from the beginning of this whole thing. I mean it, it's not like he's complete. He cannot be that clueless. No, I, and you know I don't I don't really necessarily think Dennis Allen is clueless. I think he's in a very very difficult situation right now, um, and we're finding out that you know he's having a really hard time handling that. You know I I, I think. Uh, yeah, obviously the team has been has been good basically since he got back here the second time. Yeah, I think he only had one losing season here uh, while he was an assistant coach. You know, after he was fired by the Raiders, um, and yeah, they've got a lot of the same pieces. Obviously, not some of the most important ones, right? But like, yeah, I think this has been a a real shock to the system for everybody this year, and I think we're finding out this team's not really equipped to handle that. All right, so I'm going to give you some options here on this on this current quarterback situation. Is it A, that Pete Carmichael just does not like Jameis Winston for whatever reason and uh, Dennis Allen is going along with it? Is it B, that there's a feud going on bet- all season long or since week two or three between Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston about his injury situation and Jameis is lying about his injury situation and so he's just not playing him because he's mad at him. Is it is it C that Dennis Allen thought Jameis Winston was terrible from the beginning, but he just named him the starting quarterback for kicks and giggles? Or is it D that he has Andy Dalton on his fantasy team? <laughs> so I, I think I'm going to go with option E. Uh, look, I, I think um... – I think you're the the first thing that you said was maybe the closest to the truth because I don't think it's a Pete Carmichael thing. I think it's a Dennis Allen thing. And, and I think you know, he made that clear yesterday when he's like, you know, we talked about it as a staff. This was our decision. This was my decision. Um, yeah, I think that Dennis Allen, and we've talked about this a lot on your show, as a, as a defensive coach is a risk-averse coach. And – I know Andy's had his, his issues with turnovers lately, um, but yeah, I think that's I think that is kind of at the core of who Jameis has been as a football player is, is somebody who's kind of loose with the football, um, and I think that's something that scares Dennis Allen. And yeah, he saw that up close and personal week two and week three when Jameis was playing hurt. Um, I don't think he wants to risk going back to that. And then I you know I think there's also an element here that you know, the Saints are down three of their five starting offensive linemen. Um, and yeah, two of those guys are interior guys, you know, pretty good players in Eric McCoy and, um, and Andres Pete. And you've got, you know, world record and Aaron Donald coming in this week. And if, if James Winston has like zero to no mobility because of that torn tendon in his foot, um, I think that's a pretty tough ask to have him go back out there this week this being the first week, and to just get you know, obliterated by Aaron Donald because they have nobody to protect him up front. Okay, uh, so but the so other I, I thing, think, I think we could be looking at a situation where, where he's the guy next week. Um, yeah, and that's just that's just 
me speculating on that, but um, yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay, but you two two of your best offensive, if not your two best offensive weapons, are speed guys that can get down the field, and you're not taking advantage of that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they've had a hard time taking advantage of of their best players in this offense. Period, and the the times they were going well are when Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill are leading the charge. Um, and, and look, I, I think Chris Olave is a really, really, really good player. I think he's going to be a great player. Um, but I, I also don't think he's he's quite ready to just like really carry the load. I, I think he's got to improve on some things, um, you know, especially his strength. I, I don't think he can just lean on Chris Olave. Right. right he now. drops too many balls after he gets hit. I agree with that. But he's still been way better than I than I ever expected. Yeah. For him to no, I mean, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think he's he's surpassed my expectations. But he's he's got to improve some things this offseason. And, and yeah, that really starts with. Whether it's strength at the line of scrimmage, strength at the catch point, it's it's strength. Like he needs to get better in that area. I, I don't think you can just like lean on him as a true number one wideout yet. Um, I think that day is coming, but really, the more important thing to me is you can't have a game finish where Taysom Hill has three carries for one yard and Alvin Kamara is not touching the ball in the second half. But I mean, like, again, like, but 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 okay, Luke. But that goes back to the clueless part. I mean, how can you go to Pittsburgh when you know they play physical football? They ain't played in two weeks. You played on Monday Night Football, and you don't have an NFL running back on your roster. How how do you possibly think you're going to run the football? I mean, I don't know, but you got to try because that's the only thing they're good at on offense. It, like really. Seriously, like, like their their offense right now, as it's currently constructed with with the guys they're missing, you know, with Andy Dalton the quarterback, I just I don't think you're going to go out and win football games where you're just completely relying on that to to carry you. Like you've got to try to run the ball, and you've got to find some successes there. And look, Taysom Hill was stuffed on all three of his carries, but you know, if there was one block made, he had room. You know, and I think you can't just give up on it after three three. You know, attempt. Does he uh, really think that Alvin Kamara is a downhill runner? He really believes that? Alvin Kamara I mean, is a 7-on-7 football player. The minute he gets hit, he goes down immediately. I, I mean, don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Oh, he, he goes down. I mean, he, he ran hard in the second half in Orneville in game three after fumbling in the first half. Watch him run. When he gets hit, he goes down immediately, which is fine. But put him out in space. I, I, I just you got to have somebody that's a downhill runner. I just don't understand why they don't have one. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that was a failure on their part, and I think that's that was well documented by or well chronicled, whatever you want to say, by by all of us, you and me included, when we were talking on the show. Um, you know, back in August. Um, they're going to training camp. They're kind of relying on, on Mark Ingram there as their number two. I think they that was an oversight on their part. They thought they had some guys that didn't pan out, and you know, they're kind of paying the price for it now. That's fair. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back and get to some other areas. But uh, you get, I mean, and look, I understand we're not coaches, and we don't think like we don't necessarily think like coaches. And and you know, I'm a lifelong Saints fan. I'm going to watch the Saints no matter who they have playing at quarterback. But man, it would it it, it would have actually been exciting if he had named Jameis the quarterback. And now it's just like oh. Oh, it's just so sick. Anyway, I hope you're right that he might be next week. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, get to some more issues with Luke. 
next on The Game. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us Luke Johnson of the com. Are you okay, Luke? Yes, I'm good. All right. So, do you think, before we get to some injury issues, do you think that this organization, it would fit in with what you know or perceives about this um, organization to fire him after one season? Um. I don't think so. Uh, just based on everything they did this offseason, right? I, I think they are they were looking uh, to keep things going. They said they trusted Dennis. Um, they know Dennis. And I think just considering all of the things that have been outside Dennis's control, look, I, I don't think he's been a good coach this year. Okay. I think that's, that's a fair criticism of him. Um, but I think it'd be a pretty tough look for them to fire him after one year, considering um, all of the injury problems they've had. Um, you know, considering that that you know, the the front office kind of stuck him with a quarterback situation that's pretty tough. Um, and I, I don't know if there's a, really a way out of that. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be hard for them to find a franchise quarterback this off season. Um, but you know, I, I don't think that um, just based on covering the team for the last five years um that it's it's kind of within their uh their plan to to kind of get rid of dennis allen after one season and 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 i and i and i tend to agree with that i but again that's why what you said about that's why i think you have you have to play him just to see what you have and and again if he's already made that decision he's basing it on games to me that there weren't even real real good games to evaluate him in i i you got to play him down the stretch. I mean, you... yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, because Andy Dalton is not going to be, he's not going to be the future of, of this franchise at quarterback, right? I, I wouldn't, I don't think it's a bad idea, uh, to bring Andy Dalton back as your backup. I think he's a very good, serviceable backup quarterback, right? I, I think he's playing way better than Trevor Singham did last year. Um, mm. but at, at the same time, though, like, like, Though I do want to see Jameis in this offense on a stretch, and I want to see you know what he can do when he's when he's not um, you know in the health situation that he was in for the first three weeks. Um, I also think that based on the way the season has unfolded, I'd be very surprised if he's back for another year, um, even if he comes in and lights it up for like the last five weeks of the season. Um, I'd be really really surprised. I, I just think that that relationship has. Uh, has taken a, a bit of a turn this year. Right. All right. Any chance our friend uh, Kyle Turley, Trevor Penning, plays this week? Uh, no. No, not this week. I, I guess technically there is technically a chance. Um, you know, I asked Dennis Allen about it yesterday. He said doubtful. Um, but, yeah, I'd be very surprised um, because he, he hasn't even really practiced yet. He was out for a walkthrough yesterday, and that was the first. Um since his injury, but um, not full, fully practicing yet, and I, I think that would be you know, at the earliest next week. 
are you baffled by like what's the deal with Marshawn Lattimore in his injury? Well, I mean, he's got a pretty significant injury. Like it's it's not not like a you know it's 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 on the uh, it's on the injury report as abdomen. It doesn't really doesn't really convey the seriousness of the injury. You know, it's like injuries to his internal organs, um, which I, I think that's just something that you know you need to let that take as much time as it needs. Um, and I don't think there's really a clear timetable of when he'd be back. Um, this is something where I think you can you can criticize uh, you know the Dennis Allen regime or, or you know, whoever's making these decisions. Um, you know whether it's just solely Dennis Allen or whether it's you know this kind of conglomerate of decision makers up there. But we've had several guys this season who you know are, are eating up roster spots when they're out for five, six, seven weeks. Um, and you know I, I think that's it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, and and you have and you're shorthanded. I mean, again, you don't even have a running back. I mean, I just, I just it's it's hard to understand how those two things can be happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I think. Uh, and look, I, I get it to a degree where where it's like, okay, if there if there is a chance that Marshawn Lattimore is going to miss three games. Right. If if your window is like it might take three weeks, it might take eight weeks for this. Um, then I get it. I, I get the decision not to put him on IR because if there's a chance that you know you're holding him out a game when he doesn't need to be out, then you know that's that's bad too. Um, but I, I think they've they just clearly missed on this so many times this year um, that I, you know that's that's something that that you've got to criticize for, and and that's something they need to reevaluate this off season because. Um, yeah, I mean, every week, you know, there's there's three or four guys in their inactive list who have had no chance of playing, right? And um, and you're you're taking useful roster spots away, even though there's you know, there's going to be six or seven inactive guys every week, you know, and you don't necessarily need to always have those those bodies there, especially when you're able to call people up from the practice squad. Um, yeah, you're you're still limiting yourself as to what you can do when when you just know you know there's there's five six weeks where you're going to be without a player. It's it's five six weeks that you don't have that that you know that spot in your roster, and you're, you're giving yourself fewer opportunities to put together the game day lineup that you want. How did you think PJ Williams did last week? Well, he missed a huge tackle in the open field on Najee Harris. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of surprising to me because I think that's that's one of his strengths as a player. I think he's very, very good open field tackler and that's something like an area I thought he'd help the Saints when he came off of IR. Um I mean outside of that he was fine, you know, but I, I don't think they're getting a real they got a real test in, in Kenny Pickett as a as a passer. You know, I think he's got a lot of a lot of work to do to get better. Um so you know I think um I, he's fine. Right? He's he's a he's a a solid NFL safety, and he's a really, really good player to have on your team because he plays four different positions. Um, but you know, he's he's certainly not uh, like the guy you want to just like depend on for 16 games at a position. I think he's better than Justin Evans or Daniel Sorensen back there, but um, you know, he's he's got limitations, and it's just kind of what it is. So. Is there anybody that could like? It seems like the injury report's even worse this week than it was last week, and they played with half a football team last. Is, is there anything I'm missing that where it could be some good news? Well, a couple of those guys were down with with illness, which um, it just seems to kind of be going around. <laughs> um, you know, we had a 
member of the media corps who was sick the other day and you know, I've had friends who are sick. I, you know, I, I think that's going to be something that's, yeah, at least they should get like Ryan Ramchick and Josh Andrews back. Um, but some of these guys, I, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I showed it to a player yesterday. Uh, and I was just like, man, uh, can you believe this? And he's just like week 11, man, you know, and <laughs> I don't like, I don't know. I don't know if I really agree with that. Yeah, they they are really really banged up right now. They're more banged up than most teams in Week 11. Um, and you're looking at those guys who are who are on the injury report, and you know, it's not even counting a lot of them that are on IR right now. You know, it's just it's crazy. This is this has been two years in a row where they've just been just absolutely decimated. There, uh, I don't really get it. And. I mean, what do you as an organization? What do you do? Like, something just can't be right. I mean, it, how can this happen every year? I mean, it's it's weird. Yeah, you know, and and there's been this like rallying cry on on Saints Twitter with a lot of people blaming the Saints medical staff, and I just I, I don't know if you can blame those guys for um, you know, people getting turf toe and broken ribs and all that stuff. You know, that's that's something that's completely out of your control. I think you can you can blame them on um, you know, recovery timelines, and that kind of goes back to the um, the IR question that we were talking about earlier, right? But you know, I mean, some of this stuff is just it, it really is bad luck. You know, there's there's nothing they can do medically, training wise, to prevent a guy from tearing ligaments in his toe or spraining an ankle, right? It, it, there's there's nothing you can do about that. It's just the luck of the draw, and the Saints have had really really bad injury luck these last couple of years. Uh, what's uh, what do you think of of what do you think's realistic time that Werner could come back? Uh you know, maybe next week. Maybe next week. He had recently had surgery on his ankle. Um, and you know unfortunately we just we just don't get like the the recovery timelines for that. You'd have to kind yeah. of go talk to a doctor about it. But um yeah, I think he's definitely out for this week. I, I would not expect him back out there this week, but maybe next week. If not next week, then the, the Monday night game against Tampa. Have you seen any hope from the times that he's played in recent week for Peyton Turner? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, I thought he was really, really good against the Ravens. I thought he had a couple of really uh, – not, not the Ravens, the Raiders. I thought he had a couple of really nice flash plays against the Ravens. Um, yeah, it's a, that's a tough game because you know, obviously Lamar Jackson is who he is. He, he wiggled out of a bunch of sacks, a couple of uh, a couple with Peyton Turner involved, you know, in particular. Uh, but he made some good plays against the run, and then last week, you know, he's kind of just out there again. Um, so he's got to get more consistent. But I, I think we're still looking at a player who, you know, he played at a at a low level college, um, come in or lower level than he's. It's not like he was an SEC or a Big Ten player, right? Um, and he's still effectively in his rookie season. So um, I still have hope for him. I, I, I still have seen enough of those, those big splash moments to know that it's there, um, but he's got to do it more consistently. All right. I think the number one problem with this football team moving forward is, for whatever reason, they don't know how to stop the run at all anymore. How fixable is that by next season? I don't know. That's a good question um, because you're right. <laughs> I mean, they've been uh, the, the last five years. I think each of those years they finished top five in the NFL and run defense. And they're they're hovering around by like 2021 20, right now. 
Uh, probably even worse, actually, after allowing 217 against the Steelers. Um, it's a really big concern of mine because their whole defense is predicated off of that, right? And I think that's why you see their sack numbers way down this year. I think that's why you see their turnover numbers way down this year um, because it, teams are, are able to just consistently move the ball against them on the ground. Um, they're not getting into those certain long situations where they can just send their, their rush after the guys and, and force quarterbacks to make rush throws or throws under pressure, and those are the throws that get picked off or you know, those are the strip sacks that they can, they can recover. Um, you know, you take away that one element where they've been really, really good the last couple of years, and you see that, that the whole thing kind of comes falling down around it. Um, so I don't know how fixable that is uh, because the, the way they've done it in the past was – you know, they had really, really, really strong play up front, and you know they had really fast linebackers behind them to kind of clean up everything that that, that front let through. And I think that front four is, has kind of performed under expectations this year, um, and you know, the rest has kind of you know they've, they've missed too many tackles in the back end. But and, I mean, uh, who was the who was the guy playing such great defensive tackle last year that's not there this year? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Onyemata has been an average player for a couple of years now, right? Um, so I, I, I don't really know exactly where it's gone wrong, uh, but I, I do think that the the play of the front four has been has been substandard, and I think that's um, that's kind of led to these kind of cascading problems. Man, it's just alarming. They don't even come close to stopping the run anymore. <laughs> no. No, and, and, and look, I, I think if you look at the, the last few seasons, even when they were yeah, they were in a lot of those third and one situations, I, I think they, they you know, more times than not got to stop. Yes. Right. And and that's not that's not happening. It's it's not just it's not just that they're giving up four and a half yards per carry or whatever the number is. It's not just their their overall rushing numbers. It's it's they're not getting off the field on those those third and short situations when teams aren't afraid to run anymore. Absolutely. All right. Well, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. It, it was, again, I'm 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 more patient than most on the whole Dennis Allen thing, but I just I don't know. It, it's just hard to imagine that somebody can't tell him, man, you need to sound better behind the mic, even if you're just faking. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree. His, his body language has been pretty bad in front of the press, and I just don't. I I hope it's not as bad in front of the team as it is in front of us because uh, he just he really looks defeated right now, and they they can't have that. And look, if if they go the rest of the, the way, the next uh, you know seven games of the season or whatever the case may be, looking like they have the last two weeks, they maybe that conversation changes. But um, yeah, they they need to do something here toward, toward the the stretch run. Again, thanks, Luke, very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Yep. Take care. No problem. Thanks, Luke Johnson. Luke's a good guy. He he he. I think he's been around me enough to know every once in a while we'll get a little intense. But the one I I I I know he loves forty one, and I I I believe me, I don't want forty one off my team. But they got to use him right, and I've been complaining about that for years. And and I that's one thing that Luke said that I, I disagree with. I don't think he runs hard at all, and he is. Like I've been saying, he is what he is. He's a seven-on-seven football player. He, he's going to run out of bounds, and I want him to run out of bounds. He's not going to just plow into people, and I don't want him plowing into people. That's why you got to have a downhill runner. And they just – it just doesn't make any sense to me. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show next on The Game. 
Welcome back. Looking for great stocking stuffers, or you just need a little break from the Saints or whatever team that's getting you down. You need to go to the Game Rewards Club where you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino, a $50 gift certificate to Have Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen. You can only get any of these if you go to the Game Clubhouse. So join today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, so all year long, you 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 hear me from time to time talk about how I don't like my guys winning awards. And, you know, MV, every all everybody talks about is the MVP, and and most of you disagree with me, and I get it. That's it's a free country. That's fine. Believe what you want to believe. But like like last yesterday, Justin Verlander won the, the Cy Young. The Astros won the World Series, so good for him. Fine. I mean, you know, whatever. Um, I'm glad. I really appreciate how great he pitched. It was not expected. Obviously, it was tremendous. You know, he he, he pitched great most of the year, and it, it's tremendous. But like, if you're a Yankee, for those of you who disagree with me and that are Yankee fans, like today they're going to name the MVP. So, if Judge wins the MVP, like I'm sure he will, um, that that what do you get out of that? <laughs> oh man, we got beat. We got swept in the playoffs, but Judge won the MVP. I mean, I feel great right now. I mean, what does that mean? Like, all those hours spent about who's the MVP and the little MVP is the MVP or the big MVP is the big MVP. I mean, that really, that like, that satisfies, just really, ask yourself that. Like, if you're a Yankee fan and he wins the MVP, what does that really do for you? What does it do for you? Your team is still what whatever it did, that's what it did. And all it did is rise up the stake, and you gotta pay him more if you wanna pay him. Like, why or why do people care about it? Like, there are still people that are angry because so say the Astros stole the MVP from the MVP. Like that it, like your baseball season, seriously, Yankee fan. If he wins MVP tonight, your baseball season's may. Oh man, we won the MVP, man. I feel good. What? I, I just, I do not get that. I do not get it. Why is people so worried about that? Appreciate everyone who came on today. Have a nice one.